it's process, not product oriented mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why I love it. And that goes back to the idea of no matter who you are in your climbing journey, there's always the next thing. There's always more to learn. And that's, I think, what attracts a lot of people to the idea of having this this never ending process that they can spend their whole lives doing and always have questions about and never feel like you're finished, right? There's always a hunger. There's, it always leaves you wanting something more and appreciating what you did and like the journey that you're on. And I think people need that in their lives. Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast exploring the medium of movement and looking into how it has the capacity to transform not only our physical bodies, but potentially every other facet of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek a movement guide here to help people find their own unique and authentic relationship to movement through creativity, curiosity, and self-expression. Join me as I dive into deep conversations with a wide variety of individuals from many different fields and backgrounds. Together, we'll gain insight into their own unique movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. I hope these recorded conversations will inspire and empower you to find your own unique movement journey in your life, in your own way. This episode of This Thing Called Movement features Ara Morton. Ara is a manager and group events coordinator at a newly opened up climbing facility up in Stamford, Connecticut. Ara and I have so much in common in terms of our passion for movement, and I really loved that we got to frame most of this episode in context of his relationship to climbing. What's so unique about climbing as a modality, I'm finding through conversations with other people, through this conversation with Aura, and also in my experience of it, is it's this medium where things are a lot more open-ended than they are in other movement practices. And we dug into some of these elements a bit in this conversation, specifically the fact that there is never an end point. There is always a constant evolution in your practice, no matter what level you are at. And there's a lot of community driven around helping people constantly move towards the next goal. We also discussed the importance of encountering fear and how climbing shapes fear in a very unique way and allows you to position yourself differently in relationship to fear in your life as well. And we also spent some time on the concept of failure 
the importance of being willing to fail, how to be more comfortable in interacting it more regularly, and what that means in terms of your evolution and growth as a result. I loved this conversation with Ara. We dug into so many fun things. It was just a really great episode, and I'm very excited to share it with you all. So for now, go ahead and relax, sit back, tune in, and let these words wash over you. Welcome today, everyone. We have Ara Morton as our guest for today's episode of this thing called Movement. And I had the pleasure of meeting Ara for the first time, was it about a month ago now? Yeah, like a month ago, totally randomly. Yeah, it's actually like <laughs> another one of those really fun social media connections, except it was a member of the gym you manage, this rock climbing Correct. gym, which yeah. we're going to talk about today, um, who contacted me asked if I was available for workshops, if I'd be willing to do something with you guys and put you in touch with me. And it's just been like a very quickly growing friendship. I'm so excited to have you on here today. Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I work at Beta Climbing and Fitness in Stanford, Connecticut. It's a new rock climbing facility that opened up there. And one of our members, because I, I coach the team, the competitive team there, and I've been introducing a lot of animal flow into our practices because I think it's really great. Um, <clears throat> Movement work, obviously, you know, I don't have to sell you on animal flow. <laughs> um, uh, and, and particularly for climbing training, it's great antagonistic movement training because uh, they're pulling, 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 pulling all the time. And they're really mm -hmm. strong in that sense. But as soon as you ask them to do any kind of pushing, they, um, they freak out. They collapse. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, as she mentioned animal flow to the front desk and they're like, oh, talk to her. And I am not like certified or anything. I just look at Instagram with people like her and learn from them. <laughs> And copy what they do. And I've actually copied the when we did our little flow together at the gym. Yeah. I took the uh, beast position thing that you yeah. did, pressing into the ground and engaging yeah. the core. Yeah. And it's destroying them. <laughs> it's great. It's um, so much fun. And and Lara, thank you so much, just reached out to Marie and then connected us. And I thought that they were good friends that they she had known forever. Nope. <laughs> she just like up and did my job for me. <laughs> So yeah, big thanks to Laura. Thanks, it wouldn't Laura. have been possible without her. So why don't you go ahead and actually give us a quick little introduction about yourself, who you are, what you do. and For sure. Um, my name is Ara, Ara Morton, and uh, <laughs> I am a manager at Beta Climbing Fitness in Stanford, Connecticut. I am a climber of 12 years, I'm the programs and events coordinator more specifically there. So I'm in charge of things like our after school program, our adult classes, um, birthday parties and uh, events and stuff like that, member events and I don't know. We all we all do a lot. I also coach the team there. Um, so and you know it's a kind of a small team of managers just making sure the whole place runs and functions. And um, we've only been open for about five months now, so it's a pretty new thing. Mm. Um, but I come from a theater background, like I said, and ha and just and discovered climbing when I was eighteen years old. A friend of mine just, uh, you know, suggested that we go to a climbing gym at Boston University because he knew that I was a real gym rat and loved to work out and loved playing sports and was always like, just always, you know, I danced in high school, I fenced and I, wow. I just always did every, besides doing theater, anything that was movement related, like always uh, drumming, music. Yeah. Um, I've always been interested in anything physical. Um, 
And well, if you can actually like take us through that journey, like from your childhood, what my were life those, story? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Gentleman well, time. you know, like like the trajectory that movement has taken you throughout your life, and what inspired you and why, and like you know, some of like the deeper connecting elements as opposed to just like, oh, this is what I did, but mm -hmm. the how and the why behind it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's a pretty large question. I it guess is. the simple answer, the shorter answer, which we can dig into as much as you want is, like I said, I've always been attracted to anything that was physical. It's just like, I guess, in my DNA. And it started out as a kid just being very active, playing sports, soccer, baseball, lacrosse, wrestling, hockey, everything, basketball, um, and uh, music. I was really into music as a kid and still am. I play uh, guitar at home for my daughter for the most part now that's really what my music career is limited to limited <laughs> to at this point not limited but because <laughs> that is that's uh, your audience it's a pretty it's a pretty nice thing to do yeah um but uh drumming particularly i think because it's just so full body and so physical um cut to like i said when i was 18 years old oh and of course theater theater being a very physical activity live mm. theater um which i went to school for uh and we did a ton of movement work in terms of Alexander technique and dance courses. And those are the things that I really, really loved and connected with. Mm -hmm. uh, particularly Alexander technique just opened up so many things for me in terms of my understanding of myself and my body and how to use it and how to heal it. Mm -hmm. And while I was in school, a good friend of mine, Hardy Winburn, said, let's, let's go climbing. He's from Arkansas and he had been doing it with his friends over the summer outside in some crags down there. And as soon as I hopped on the wall, it was like all of those, like everything that I love about movement and being physical and like the freedom and the difficulty. And it just like, it clicked instantly. Mm. Um, that was 12 years ago. I'm 30 now and I haven't stopped climbing since. And through a series of channels and doorways and as life happens, now I am managing a rock climbing gym and coaching a fabulous group of 12 competitive athletes. And climbing is my every day and i'm also a new york state licensed guide so i go outside as much as possible and um it's a beautiful drink it's wonderful climbing climbing is something you can do your whole life you can always have with you you don't have to stop doing it because you aged out of an organization in, in high yeah. school or college or yeah. whatever um yeah <laughs> no that was a great answer cool. There, cool. there are a few things in there that i'd love to unpack a little bit so alexander technique I've never worked with it personally, but I always hear so much about it because it is so prolific in the theater community. Yeah. And it seems to be a really potent part of your own experience. So yeah. do you mind describing what that technique looks like, what it involves, and what aspects of it actually opened up your awareness of yourself like you were describing? That's a really also a huge question. And that's why I like the conversations <laughs> we've had so far because you ask, you're not afraid to ask big questions. Yeah. And that's those are fun things to talk about. Yeah. Um, Alexander technique is kind of a movement theory in a way. It's very hard to describe what it looks like because it looks different uh, depending on who uh, who does it. Everybody is going to have a different experience, and that's really what it's based in, um, really a knowledge of self and kind of understanding the physical habits, physical, emotional, psychological habits, and how those things are connected in our body and how they exist in, her, in our body and how we can become more aware of those habits that we've built in over years and years of socialization and physical experiences and mental, uh, psychological experiences, positive and negative, that kind of create who we are as human beings and how we exist, or like at least how we as human beings exist physically in the world. Mm. Um, 
individually. So it is different for everybody. And I connected it uh, or connected to it through, uh, and, uh, I should say, people in theater are often attracted to the study of Alexander technique because simply put, I guess, like in order to inhabit a character fully and completely and to understand the physicality of a character, you first have to understand as specifically as possible your own physicality so you can make a choice. Mm-hmm. So the choice isn't made for you, which is the habit that you build up, but you're able to make a choice. And um, I think that like that is what really got me going on Alexander Technique is that as it is a physical realm, like you're dealing with the world through your body and kind of in Alexander Technique, we talk about uh, kind of like a 50-50 in, um awareness internal and external Mm -hmm. so relating and relating those two awarenesses um and i find i or in my discovery of climbing while i was studying theater in alexander technique and i was lucky enough to go to boston university to their theater program where we studied alexander technique for four years Mm -hmm. uh which was fantastic most uh, conservatory programs you study maybe a couple semesters or a year or so Mm -hmm. and because I fell so deeply in love with that work, I was really happy to be able to spend a good amount of time with uh, trained Alexander professionals. And I discovered climbing my, the beginning of my sophomore year, and I immediately integrated all those ideas and thoughts and experiences into how I was understanding climbing movement, which is like, it just boils down to efficient movement and er- efficient ergonomic movement. And as you start to climb more and more difficult terrain and you start going outside, which immediately becomes more difficult, physically and emotionally, um, the understanding of like, what are the most efficient ways to move my body becomes the most important thing in terms of sending or falling, Mm -hmm. um, that technique. Um, and the only way to do that is to like have an awareness and be able to make a choice and say, this position feels uncomfortable. I'm going to have to subtly shift my hips, drop down a little bit, or just breathe and relax yeah. and not be holding so much tension. Right. Um, is, <laughs> My big lesson. <laughs> right. That's like, and you know, these are life things that, you know, just relax. Maybe you need to adjust your perspective and take a breath, right? Yeah. Those are things we say to like get through difficult moments in life. And um, that's what I connected to with climbing immediately is those lessons are built into every move when you're climbing. It's kind mm-hmm. of these short little vignettes of like, you know, overcoming something, which is what we're always doing in life. Mm-hmm. Um, on a bouldering problem or a long multi-pitch route you know (laughs) well it's it's so interesting that the way you describe alexander technique from the get-go is like well it doesn't look the same for anybody like it's going to look different in everybody Uh, and i think this is one of the biggest things that's missing in like contemporary fitness and exercise norms and Mm. I understand like where the disconnect comes because when you're working in traditional like workout scenarios, like form is important. Integrity is important, but we seem to be missing out on the idea that everybody is unique. Right. Right. And so finding, finding the best like form and integrity for your structure is going to be unique and having an awareness of your body for how it exists in itself <laughs> is so fundamental and we're missing that. And that was like right. one of our first few conversations together when we met was talking about my work with intuitive movement, how it's really just about bringing that awareness in, right. bringing that comfort of finding like 
how your body wants to move intuitively and give it more leeway to develop and shape that because then you can actually have versatility when it comes to problem solving, like, mm-hmm. you know, while climbing or whether it is doing stuff in life or even organizing yourself around a barbell. I mean, like these are these principles connect to everything and, and this awareness of self is something that comes up a lot in these conversations yeah. around movement. But it just it's just one of like the quickest things we get back when we invest our time in movement and we invest our willingness to like really connect with it and on a authentic and individual level. Yeah, I mean, how can you have any awareness or how can you make a choice about how you move if you are moving from a place of ignorance, right? If you have if you're unaware, if you don't have awareness of how your body works as an individual, you can't just compare yourself to somebody else and say, that's what I want it to look like. And I'm going to force myself into this position to do it like, uh, you know, do it like this or, you know, stack a barbell this way or, you know, do a do any kind of climbing move a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we do have ideas of what that form, like what the most ergonomic way to do a certain thing is, everyone has a different way to get to their ideal position or posture and yeah that's like a very physical way of looking at it but you can expand that <laughs> into yeah, the totally. emotional spaces of your life and you know we all what we all want to be happy right yeah. but everyone has a different way of getting there yeah. um, so yeah, I do think that a, a, a lot of people tend to compare themselves in their own physical journeys whether it's what you look like what you're able to do um, as opposed to embracing and appreciating what it is that you do well and how you move and what your body is capable of Um, and then also having the understanding of what you're not capable of Mm -hmm. and those are the things that you know if you're trying to reach a goal um, that you might want to work on but how can you be aware of those things if you're not if you don't have the awareness in the first place (laughs) yeah i mean i remember actually going through like a very intensive coaching program back when I worked at Equinox that was about shifting the way you related to clients as opposed to telling them what to do, Mm -hmm. like actually figuring out the underlying desire that was underneath the Mm -hmm. goal. Mm -hmm. Because usually for most people, when they set a goal, it's not about the goal itself. The goal is an externalized projection of what they think is going to bring them a feeling. And that's how most people are operating in relationship to their bodies. It's like, well, if I can lift this much weight, then I'll be strong. Right. And if I if if that means I'm strong, then I will feel confident and strong in my body. Right. Then I'll feel fit. Or if I lose this amount of weight and get this kind of definition in my six pack, that will mean I'm, you know, fit and like good looking. But what they're really looking for is to feel confident and happy within themselves. And it's so in- it was so interesting for me to debunk that idea of like, oh, that's just like an externalization of a thought mm-hmm. that will bring a feeling, possibly. Right. But if what if I just tapped into trying to find a way to find that feeling right away rather than plaster somebody else's idea of what's going to bring me that feeling? I, I love that you talk about um, the feeling of it as opposed to what you think it should look like or a one-size-fits-all solution for whatever goal you have that attainable or non-attainable, right? (laughs) Um, And that's something we talk about all the time in climbing is feeling yourself on the wall. Again, having that like 50-50 
uh, awareness uh, and being able to make those micro adjustments, even just a breath, because um, one person might do a move one way and it might be very easy for them because they have particularly strong legs or long legs or are like 110 pounds and have extremely strong fingers or have, you know, what, however your body is made up. And also maybe they're just mentally there that day. I don't know. Like there's a million things that go into it. So understanding where you are on any given day in your body and having that sense of awareness, I think is, um, is crucial, like you said, climbing or non-climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and people often think that there is a one-size-fits-all solution to training, to diet, to uh, to reach a goal, even if um, that's not something that necessarily works for their body. Um, you know, you want to get strong, you want to lift a certain amount of weight. Maybe a 450-pound squat isn't going to make you stronger. Maybe it's just going to injure you. Because you weigh like 185 pounds. (laughs) Me, like, right? Like, I weigh 175 pounds. I don't really want to squat 450, but there are people that certainly do. um, And that's that's okay, but it's not necessarily the healthiest thing to do, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's it's only one avenue of feeling, like, healthy and strong Mm -hmm. and confident. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and it's it's also interesting when you look at how different movement modalities will elicit different expectations, you know? And I touched on this last time we spoke, uh, so I'm going to expand on it again for the listeners. How I think climbing by nature seems to be an arena where there really aren't specific expectations Mm -hmm. around results, right? I mean, there is a general feeling like, oh, being able to get to, like, the next level of a climb, like Mm -hmm. the more difficult problem solving that you can do when you're scaling a wall. But aside from that, like it isn't as specific and regimented as other results can be in other movement modalities, which is so fascinating because I think it just allows a lot more freedom in Mm -hmm. the practice to make your own decisions, to make your own micro adjustments and maneuvers. And then it also elicits a sense of playfulness in the process of getting yourself there, right? Like, because like you said, some days you're just on and then some days you're not, but you know, you're still willing to put in time no matter what the outcome is on a given day. Absolutely. Um, It's so funny. I was just thinking we've spoken about so many things and the conversation's gone on for like 10 or 15 minutes now and we barely touched on climbing. (laughs) I love it though, talking about the philosophy of movement and that's really, really cool and exercise. Alexander Technique. I haven't really talked about Alexander Technique in a long time. (laughs) So I'm happy to do that. Um, Yeah, climbing. What I like to say about climbing, and one reason why I think it is so appealing to so many people, is that no matter uh, if you're an absolute beginner climbing 5.8 V0, climbers will know what I'm talking about. If not, (laughs) research climbing grade systems. (laughs) Um, or if you're climbing like at an expert professional level, Mm -hmm. you can work just as hard and dig just as deep. Um, and it's, the scale is always sliding. No matter what you accomplish, there's always something more. Alex Honnold, you know, Chris Sharma, guys that are extremely strong, Sasha DeJulian, these like pro climbers, they're all looking for the next send and the harder send. Ashima, Mm -hmm. those are, I don't know, some climber names people might recognize, uh, 
they're they're all chasing their next climbing dream, just like someone who picked up climbing five months ago and you know is is doing it as a way to begin an exercise routine inside is looking for their next send and and their next mountain to conquer if you will um and and both of those people can put in just as much work and effort and gain just as much from that victory Mm -hmm. or that send uh, as the next and so for that reason it's a never-ending journey that you can engage with at any time um and the other thing that i love that you said is that it's playful um, for me, I think one of the big reasons I connected with climbing in the first place is because I am, I love, I'm, I'm a child at art. I'm just, <laughs> I, I am just a super child, which is why I, uh, I was into theater. I think that's why they call it a play. Cause you just play, you yeah. know, you just interact and have fun. And that's where like the beauty comes from. And same with climbing as serious as we can take it as like athletes and competitors. Um, at the end of the day, it's just an extremely fun uh, activity that we are built to do you know babies climb instinctually we're always looking to move our bodies in that way mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. if you believe in evolution which i feel like most of you probably do um <laughs> we are descendants of apes obviously climbing is in our dna uh, it's it's how our bodies work mm-hmm. so you know i think that's one reason why kids connect to it and one reason why I connect to it and many adults connect to it because it kind of gives you that feeling again of when you were a kid of being really, really excited about something. Um, and one thing I would actually argue against what you said is uh, that you said is that um, it's not as um, easy to track progress with climbing because it, I, yes, it is like a very organic thing to do and climbing grades are fairly subjective, but there's like a very, like very much a one-to-one correlation of I could do that or I couldn't do that last mm. week and I can do that now. Mm. And even if grades are subjective, sure, if you go gym to gym or even outside, crag to crag, the people that are like putting up these climbs and giving them certain grades, they get adjusted, you know, mm. they go up, they go down. Mm-hmm. People disagree, oh, it's a V5, oh, it's a V6, I don't know, whatever. Like <laughs> those things are subjective, but it's very easy to, to like go if you're going to a climbing gym regularly and you can do you can't do this one climb because of this one move and you work at it and you work at it and then one day you come in and you just feel it mm-hmm. and you hit it mm-hmm. and then you realize I can do that and you realize maybe the adjustment that you made maybe you're just getting stronger whatever the case is wherever you are in your journey you know I couldn't do that and now I can do this I'll clarify what I meant by that because I, I agree with you there. It was actually not that you can't like see your progress, rather that you know there isn't one specific outcome that equals progress. Right, right? like oh, being oh, okay. able to solve yeah, yeah, yeah. the problem and being right. able to figure out how to make that move for yourself mm-hmm. is the element of progress. But it isn't you have to do it this way. Right, right. Absolutely. There, there's like I all those all those individual you. variations. Whereas yeah. when most people externalize their sense of accomplishment and progress into X, Y, or Z, right? Like especially when it's aesthetically driven around the body itself right. rather than what you are doing with your body. Right. And what makes climbing so beautiful to me, especially having experienced it with someone like you, who's like so she's good too. <laughs> she picked it up pretty quick. <laughs> I feel like I could be better. Um, but it was just so fascinating for me to already observe, even in that moment, how how much 
openness and versatility were available to being able to solve those problems. Yeah. And that's that was what I was touching on. Like yeah. that it's it, it's a process that really allows you to be individual. In fact, it encourages. Right. You. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. Oh no, that. it's okay. Uh, <laughs> because I absolutely agree. It's it's process, not product oriented mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why I love it. Um, and that goes back to the idea of. Um, never, uh, no matter who you are in your climbing journey, there's always the next thing. Um, there's always more to learn. Uh, and that's, I think what attracts a lot of people to the idea of having this, this never ending process that they can spend their whole lives doing and always have questions about, um, and never feel like you've, you're finished, right? There's always a hunger. It always leaves you wanting something more and appreciating what you did and like the journey that you're on. Um, and I think people need that in their lives, honestly. Like, I think nowadays people are very sucked into work life and phones and devices and climbing is very much something that takes you away from that and puts you in your body and kind of wakes you up. If it's, you know, working on accomplishing something or literally just getting over fear of, fear of heights, mm-hmm. um, and also engaging in a community. Climbing is all about community. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, and that's really, I think the, the driving force behind what excites people about climbing is that not only do you engage physically, intellectually, but socially when you do this sport, yeah. inevitably you walk into a gym and people are sitting around talking, you know, sharing beta, sharing tips <laughs> on like information about routes and, you know, helping each other reach their goals and send the project or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you always find people that's, that's a huge dynamic uh, in a climbing gym is the social element of it. Um, which is why like, at Beta, my job as a program and events coordinator uh, is to promote as many social events and member things and uh, things to engage our community socially and get each other talking and to build that spirit of family and community because that's a huge reason why people get into climbing in the first place, um, which you don't necessarily see at like a traditional fitness facility. Um, Also, why I think people were getting into things like CrossFit and like, you know, these various boot camp classes because you're with the same people you make friends you meet people and i think people crave that too um these days you know i i hear a lot of people talk about feeling isolated and um we're connected more than ever but less connected than yeah, we've ever been you yeah. know how many times have we heard that <laughs> the juxtaposition of technology right exactly <laughs> technology the phones are killing us <laughs> But and even if they are right, <laughs> we we are definitely I think people in general are looking for ways to reconnect physically mm-hmm. with themselves and with other human beings. And climbing is like such an amazing way to do that mm-hmm. um, and also get a great workout and people look for that as well. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, it's like you can go on this amazing life's journey. Um, I never expected climbing to give me what it's given me um in terms of like a stable career and the friends that i've known and the experiences that i've had and the things that i've learned and done and goals and ambitions and um you know a travel checklist you know Mm. things that are really enriching to my life on more than just um uh like a physical level and or a fitness level you know although and it gives me that too it gives me fitness and a reason to want to be fit and not just like, I want to look good in a bathing suit or whatever. <laughs> like, 
it's not just about that. It's 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 you know sure everybody wants to look good in a bathing suit, but right. like it's, don't knock it. Right, don't knock it. That's a good goal too. But it's it that can be less than motivating sometimes in December in New York. <laughs> but having like I've always found that having a climbing goal pushes you to train because you're really emotionally invested in being able to do this thing because of all the reasons I stated it meaning a lot to you, yeah. you know? Well, and it's, I love what you're talking about with like, it's always ever expanding. Like there's no final frontier with this stuff. And Literally you know, I, when I think about this, this has been a key point for me to not only observe in my movement practices, but also to pull into my life when it comes to like relationships or career and community and friendships is to understand it's not about getting something to meet an end, but like the journey of watching that goal or that experience be realized mm -hmm. and then being ready for the next one. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually speaking of climbing and mountains and traveling, one of the guests I had on this podcast um, a little while back is Tony Testa. He's a mm -hmm. very famous choreographer and director in the dance world and also producer now. And he, he explained the trajectory of his career using a metaphor with climbing mountain mm -hmm. tops and then like it does second, work as a metaphor. Yeah, well. and then the second he gets to the top, like he you know, he succeeded, then like literally immediately he sees the next Looks one. Looks off into the distance. Yep, and, sees and, the next and then mountain. and then he makes that journey with all of its pitfalls and, and he even said that at the end of the day, the journeys that are the easiest are some of the least satisfying. Mm -hmm. And as frustrating as it is to be dealing with the obstacles along the way, like there's something that deepens the experience of actually getting there when you've had to work through it. Definitely. And oh, um, yes. it's like such an important parallel to life, though, to instead of like resisting those obstacles or instead of like being mad that you aren't where you want to be yet to like appreciate, you know, that evolution that's taking place and then to also be totally okay with the fact that once you get there you're gonna want the next thing mm -hmm. like that that's mm -hmm. part of it that that's part of like our expansion as human beings like we're here to experience a lot of stuff and to like really embrace all of it and climbing is just as you're talking i couldn't help but think like oh so many parallels to life right, <laughs> you know that's, and I, that's like, how i see things like i keep saying this i think what attracts me and many others to the sport is that there is always that next mountain to climb literally and metaphorically um you know if you're someone who's started climbing in the gym just literally getting outside and climbing real rock is a huge accomplishment and like and then taking that journey that's a whole nother world literally now you have a whole world of climbing that's opened up to you mm. um that is yet again, another emotional, physical experience and intellectual experience. One of the most gratifying things for me as a climber has been and was um, getting my uh, guide license for New York State because uh, I've been climbing outside a lot in my 12 years of climbing, mostly on the Northeast, like in Massachusetts and in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Um, but learning like learning the anchors learning anchor building mm -hmm. learning rescue techniques mm -hmm. uh rope management uh haul systems stuff like that just like really you know was so i geeked out on it it was so much fun and it made me realize yet again there are so many things to learn in this huge world that kind of never stops and it's not just physical you know you can absolutely 
engage, I mean, even off the wall, you can engage your mind in problem solving related to climbing. And mm -hmm. there are just so many things that it has to offer. And now I'm not suggesting everybody go off and make their lives about climbing <laughs> like I have, but climbing kind of made itself a huge part of my life. And that's, you know, everybody has their own journey, but I feel very lucky to have, um, to have that be the case that I kind of, mm. and I thank you, Hardy Winber, and it all goes back to literally <laughs> this one moment we were moving into an apartment together, sophomore year of college, and he uh, he was this like skinny hippie guy, and he comes into my room with his shirt off, and he goes, "Not such a skinny hippie anymore, huh?" <laughs> and I said, "Wow, yeah, you got you have biceps now. That's very <laughs> impressive. What what have you been doing all summer?" And he goes, "I've been climbing." Oh, wow. Rock climbing. Cool. Yeah, that was 12 years ago, right? <laughs> September 12 years ago. Um, and it's afforded me a really cool life's journey uh, and, a, and a craft uh, and something that I know I can always do and have with me, even if it's not my career, which, um, you know, in kind of making this transition from theater and acting to climbing, as much as I love that world of theater and collaboration, um, you need a lot of people to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it can be hard uh, if, you know, you aren't, don't have those opportunities um, to make those opportunities for yourself. Uh, and climbing, it's like literally you just, you can just go, you can climb anything you want. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like you have the same like collaboration and community and, and like you said, expanded opportunity because the guidelines are sort of the, the parameters that frame climbing are very different than those that frame being in theater or television right, or right, movies right. and like where you don't necessarily have the money and like the budgets and like all that or even stuff. besides money and budget just like coordinating with other people's schedules mm -hmm. um i mean even if like as a writer if you write something you still need a group of people to bring it to life even if you're just sitting around a coffee table um which again is an amazing thing to do to work with a group of people and climbing certainly involves a lot of communication and working together to literally keep each other alive mm -hmm. <laughs> depending on the type of climbing you're doing and it yeah. involves a great amount of trust but um it's in in essence climbing is just like our own natural movement and like i said you can kind of find you can climb anywhere you can build or you can go outside in brooklyn right now and just oh, climb up the building if you really wanted to people did it people have done it it's called parkour <laughs> it's called parkour exactly Par that's that's all another world i have no idea about i don't know how people i'm you know i like taking calculated risks as a climber <laughs> no you know, i'm not a free soloer well, i'm not a well i think to put parkour to parkour runner. it's like similar to getting like your was it your climbing license is that what it's called yeah yeah, yeah. like you, you actually have to like have like gone through classes and like learn the oh, technique sure. i mean because it's pretty involved i remember being like 13 and watching parkour videos and like trying to run up walls like with my <laughs> friends like we're so dorky <laughs> but uh then like the first few times you try and do stuff like that you start to have like so much humility for like what people are actually doing on for sure videos. for it's sure so oh intense. my gosh yeah i mean I, this is such a tangent <laughs> watching videos of guys and girls running on like rooftops with <laughs> 300 foot drops and oh left or whatever it's so crazy it's really crazy but you know as a climber i i love feeling scared and taking calculated risk but <laughs> well i think it's a different type right if you if you put as much time into parkour or free running as you know you did in climbing i still wouldn't do it much respect <laughs> to you who do i still wouldn't do it i got a kid i'm trying to stay alive 
Um, but you know, it's funny, like parkour and Ninja Warrior mm -hmm. has brought, you know, I, I work a lot with kids and climbing. That's a big part of my job. And that's something that I love to do. Again, like mm -hmm. I'm a big kid. I love playing games. I love teaching kids how to climb and like seeing those aha moments when they are figuring out how to use their bodies mm -hmm. to climb. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, there are so many kids that are coming into the sport because their parents are like, oh, it's a climbing gym? Uh, do you guys do like Ninja Warrior? My kid loves Ninja Warrior. My kid loves these parkour <laughs> videos on YouTube. Do you do stuff like that? And I always say, no, it's something very different, but it sounds like they'll really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, climbing is, uh, is kind of growing more and more mainstream for reasons like that. And um, more climbing gyms opening up. So people are kind of discovering it as an activity that will engage their kids and make them exhausted when they come home and give them something to do that's fun, mm -hmm. like I keep saying, and like social and uh, engages their mind. Um, and climbing is going to be in the Olympics in 2020, yeah. all three disciplines of climbing, speed climbing, wow. rope climbing, uh, lead climbing, and, um, and so bouldering, soon. which is pretty soon. Yeah, it's going to be Pretty cool to see that on the uh, on the world stage, and uh, every I think it's just going to explode after oh that. Gosh, People I are going to be wait. like, "What is that? I want to do that." <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've only climbed four or five times, but every time it's always just been so much fun. I it's really, super really fun, really and you can attest to the last time when we climbed together how those uh, adjustments in terms of thinking, efficiency, not. Like climbing smarter, not harder. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was makes so it a different activity totally. altogether. It was so interesting to watch myself there because I could, I could feel myself externalizing my progress. Like mm -hmm. we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier, like that immediately happens, and especially this happens to me a lot as somebody who is a fitness professional. Like mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be advanced at everything that I start, and so if I'm falling short, it's like this panic mode, the same right. fight or flight that would happen if a cheetah was chasing me right isn't that climbing the wall because ara is spotting me That's, and i need to like show them i really hope that I you know. would be much more distressed if she was chasing me she was cool calm collected no i but I, i'm like drawing the comparison because like i i know i was sensing that level of like anxiety and i could tell how it was taking me out of my capacity uh, to just sort mm -hmm. of like find my own intuition in that process right it's just and you're like, using your body in a new way so yeah. of course there's going to be somewhat of a learning curve but as i expected and suspected as soon as you got on the wall um you were able to digest the suggestions that i was making in terms of like body positioning and working your feet through first and not like doing pull-ups or moving with like a great amount of muscularity as opposed to just like moving with efficiency mm -hmm. um and a lot of people, you know, at, when I teach beginner movement classes, I talk about all these things very specifically. I talk about how to use your feet, how to support your movement with your lower body, how to shift your weight through your hips, um, how to hang from your arms and use your skeletal structure as opposed to like pulling up and using your biceps mm -hmm. and, you know, all of those relatively small muscle groups that will get exhausted pretty quickly mm -hmm. uh, if you're not moving with efficiency. And some people get it it drops in and you can see them like take, take the suggestion and make the adjust adjustment immediately. Mm -hmm. And some people, and I always, you know, there's no <laughs> judgment whatsoever. It's like riding a bike. You can tell a kid how to ride a bike um, and how it should feel. Like mm -hmm. we were saying before, what the feeling of being centered and weighted with momentum is like, 
but some people may take longer than others for that to drop in and click physically mm -hmm. and then say, oh, that's what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and climbing is the same way. You were able to make those adjustments very quickly because you have that awareness uh, of your body and a good sense of movement in general. Mm -hmm. um, so it, and it's always so interesting seeing that aha moment and that shift when all of a sudden you go from looking like you're freaking out on the wall <laughs> to looking like a powerful strong climber moving with confidence yeah. and if you watch any professional climber if you when you watched climbing in the olympics in 2020 or if you watch like a uh, competition at any high level what you'll notice is that the really strong climbers uh, make what seems like it should be impossible, look very, very easy. Mm. Um, and although there is a great amount of strength training involved in climbing and like certainly climbing at that level, conditioning your body to be able to take a certain amount of work and do certain things and be able to, you know, pull hard enough to support your own body weight uh, and much more. Um, at the end of the day, these climbers are finding maximum efficiency which makes it look like a dance yeah or makes make it flow and make it look uh effortless mm -hmm. which is the idea climbers are lazy right we want to do the least amount of work possible at any given time <laughs> and that's just like evolutionary principles right, right? exactly like, but it literally is like also good climbing <laughs> yeah because <technique>. yeah, <laughs> if you want to go like further and like more complex than ever before you got to be saving your resources and you have to yeah the simple analogy i use is like if you're going to hang from a bar in a full locked off pull-up position. Is that easier or harder than hanging with your arms straight? Mm -hmm. and, and in which position can you hang longer? Mm -hmm. Obviously with your arms straight because you have your joints and your skeleton and your sinew holding you together, not allowing you to come off of the bar. Mm -hmm. Whereas here you're locked off and you're really employing mostly small muscle groups like your biceps and your lats, which compared to like your legs, which support you all day long when you're on the wall, um, will exhaust themselves pretty quickly. So mm. you'll burn out and fall <laughs> before you yeah. get to the end of the climb. Yeah. And yeah. if the whole idea behind climbing is let's not fall, <laughs> <laughs> which is obviously there is, I always say there is no climbing without falling. Everybody falls, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, then you need, like you said, you need to save the gas in that tank. Yeah. Um, so, and that's where efficient movement comes in and climbing technique and, Talk oh, forever about all that. All that good stuff. All that good stuff. Well, so now that we've dug into climbing, I'm actually curious on one of your unique perspectives with one of my favorite questions, mm -hmm. which is, how would you define movement? That is a really good question. Um, and it can be a big answer outside of physical oh, movement, yeah. right? Because movement's a huge concept. That's really what this podcast is about. You know what? I'm going to be totally honest with you. And I cheated a little bit because I listened to a couple of your episodes <laughs> and I kind of anticipated this question. <laughs> and as soon as I heard you ask some of your other uh, interviewees, I like immediately got a little anxious. I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a big question. <laughs> I was like, what do I say? <laughs> so being totally honest and upfront about that, um, I, I really, I, and I, this is so corny and cheesy, but I really think movement is everything. It's life, it's mm -hmm. energy. Mm -hmm. It's what the universe is like founded upon expansion mm -hmm. and vibration, mm -hmm. sound. We can't, we can't experience the world without movement, vibration and sound in terms of touch, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, 
kinesthetically like moving through the world and feeling the wind and knowing like oh there's ground underneath me and there's a building to my right and mm -hmm. i can hear the vibration of the sound from the cars and the light hitting my eyes mm -hmm. right the photons hitting my eyes mm -hmm. um it's like and you know if if matter and um <clears throat> molecules are literally made of energy which is vibration then literally movement is everything yeah. it's the universe and that's such a no but i mean i'm right there with you i was actually talking to someone about this yesterday we were talking about dancing i i, I would make fun of myself for giving that answer <laughs> by the way so any you feel free to drag me for that corny ass answer but no it's but the thing is a lot of these corny answers they're corny because people say them a lot but it doesn't mean they're any less true True. And yeah. I, you know, I actually, whenever I, I move, I, I literally can see or feel movement as a way that I'm moving energy. Mm -hmm. it, I think of movement as like this incredible technology to move energy, not just like within my body, but with the world around me, mm -hmm. with like my electrochemical and like energy in my body with, you know, my emotional energy in my body or in myself. Like it is literally creating shift yeah. it is creating shift on multiple scales on multiple levels all the time right every time i'm engaging with it whether it's consciously or subconsciously or unconsciously mm -hmm. like whatever movement i'm engaging with is shifting energy yes period absolutely you know and if the the fundamental is like if you're not moving you're probably not alive because like right. movement has to happen for your like life to evolve and mm -hmm. to continue so i don't i don't find that corny at all i loved it i appreciate yeah, that I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I, and i thought you would and i imagine that it's not the first time you've heard an, an answer similar to that at least approximately that. well that's what's so funny about this question you know that's the question that started this podcast sure because I asked this on Instagram because I realized I was talking about movement all the time and I realized I have a very different definition of what movement means or different experiential viewpoint, but everybody else has a totally different one. So like, I'm curious, how would you define movement? And people all came back with some like really intense answers yeah, without yeah. it being connected to life. And I thought, huh, yeah. wouldn't it be interesting if like, we could remind ourselves of that often, you yeah. know, through like getting to see what people's experiences were and like watching them unpack that question week by week, you know? That's, I love that. And that's why I've enjoyed listening to this podcast and I'm <laughs> yeah. honored to be on it as well. Cause it's certainly something I think about all the time. And um, it's a really, you know, like I said, I've always connected with the world in a very physical way. Mm -hmm. um, and I just have always had the desire to move and, play and again that's why i love climbing because it feels like play it feels like you know even though you're getting great exercise and it can hurt like hell and be super scary mm -hmm. it's like this just unbelievable sense of i'm gonna move my body in all these different crazy weird ways and for all the reasons that we discussed there are a litany of advantages and um and byproducts of doing that that are super nurturing mm -hmm. uh emotionally physically intellectually um and, and so maybe that's like the so that everything movement is everything is my big mm -hmm. answer maybe the more specific smaller answer for me is that movement is healing um <gasps> and not and very yeah like sure like i i have it can help you come over overcome injury but i think more so for me it's been like a way that i can feel good feel solid feel stable 
feel um, present and connected, all the things that we look for as human beings in our life, um, in a way, climbing has been like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a, an avenue for me to experience all those things in a very specific and distilled mm -hmm. way and like a way that I can engage those things that we all look for um, in a macrocosmic way. Uh, like I can just do it and I get that feeling of connectedness, yeah. you know, and I can just, I can, I can choose to give myself a little happiness by uh, by climbing right Yay. and it's rare that you know I, I everyone has a hobby right everyone i think everyone should have a hobby mm -hmm. um but not everybody does have that kind of thing that just allows them to feel good whenever they do it and certainly not everybody is lucky enough to have that thing be what they do for a living yeah. or like have that be their life in general which i am so grateful for and whenever i get stressed or you know <laughs> feel like Overwhelmed. overwhelmed with work or and of course there are those struggles just like everybody has it is really grounding to be able to come back to these thoughts and um moments like this or even just appreciating that climbing has brought me here to have this cool conversation mm -hmm. um that uh, being able to do something that i'm very passionate about and that i connect with in such a way is a real a real real gift well yeah and to basically have a main line into like the most solid sense of security and well-being and centeredness mm -hmm. and to know where to get it whenever you need it and to literally just be able to connect right into it you know i believe that's available to everybody if mm -hmm. they're willing to seek out what brings that feeling Absolutely. and engage with it more and more and the more you get your bandwidth and the more you can sort of reorient and organize towards those what brings up that feeling for you because it's going to be different for every person. Like, you know, for me, it's like dance and exploring movement, like freely just for fun, like yeah. in ground based stuff. Like yeah. for you, it's on a wall, but like, you know, it's all, it's also fun for us to be able to like exchange those and play off of one another. And yeah. Cause it's all from the same place. Yeah, right? but, <laughs> but I really, I really feel strongly like we all have that. We just have to give ourselves permission to go there and, yeah, I, I love that movement is healing. It's uh, it's so true. And I have not heard that answer yet. So, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. I was like, that's, for, that's way too corny. <laughs> She's for oh. sure gotten that one all the time. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but like, again, like I said, if, if you're hearing it a lot, then like, there's a reason. Absolutely. Know, like but Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad we got to the movement is healing. That was a that's a really nice one. Cool. I'm glad, I'm glad I could that. offer that. <laughs> but you know, it's really funny as you were talking just now and, and um, reflecting or kind of reiterating what I was saying in terms of um, finding those things that connect us to our humanity in that, in, in the activities that we love to do for me, climbing for you, dancing and moving mm -hmm. like an animal. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Like for, for me, and I think a lot of climbers, like you get that, that feeling of secureness and, and like fulfillment, but it's such a scary thing. Like part of that is, is because it's so scary. Like, just as you said that I was thinking, man, it's also very torturous. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you put yourself, especially when you start transitioning to out, outdoor climbing and like climbing taller walls, multi-pitch projects and stuff like that. 
um, being really high off the ground and doing hard moves really high off the ground. Mm. Even in the gym, like just being afraid to fail and not being like being afraid that you're not going to fall on a climb yeah. and all your friends are going to laugh at you. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, scary. Like there's, a, there's a huge <laughs> amount of fear in different ways, but uh, you know, and at, when I when I teach kids in class, there's obviously a fear of heights and a fear of secureness. But overcoming those fears and just confronting those fears is healing in and of itself. I think, yeah. and like those little because in, in climbing there are tons of those moments strewn out all over the place and you confront it almost every time you climb there's a little bit of that fear um for one reason or another but then that makes those successes in overcoming those fears even more gratifying and so it's like you get these little bursts of endorphins when you're climbing even just overcoming the smallest fear of like i don't think i'm gonna hit this move i don't think i'm gonna hit this move ah you yeah, know, and then you hit it, yeah. and then you're so stoked, and like yeah. you know, it's oh, I didn't realize I could do that. I've learned something about myself, and I've overcome a fear. Which, like, again, like we don't have a lot of safe spaces to confront fears head on in our life. Um, yeah. And and also I, another tangent that I feel like we should talk about that we haven't spoken on yet is the fear of heights. Is like obviously a very real thing mm. in climbing, and especially new climbers. And uh, of course, talking about fears and climbing, that's like the most obvious one. Mm -hmm. But I've never and I'm not just saying this because I obviously love climbing and I'm not like trying to preach the church of climbing here. <laughs> but I really do think that indoor climbing and outdoor climbing, but indoor climbing, maybe even more so um, just because of that sense of like a safety net. Um not literally, but uh, that sense of safety is the best way to overcome a fear of heights if you want to, because it is a controlled environment in which you can face that fear in a very real and dynamic way mm -hmm. head on. Mm -hmm. um, and you can also learn to trust your body in that situation. Whereas if you just go to the top of a really tall building, you don't necessarily feel in control at that moment because yeah. you didn't what if, get yourself up there also you took an elevator right you took an elevator most likely yeah. so you your body is not like the captain of that situation mm -hmm. necessarily when you're climbing your body is the captain of that situation and so feeling strong and feeling confident in your movement at height if you're afraid of heights um i've seen i've seen people who literally could not go more than five feet up without breaking down and having massive panic attacks uh, one kid who i will not name mm -hmm. uh, in particular i remember a couple years ago we started doing lessons and he's uh uh was like 11 years old 11 12 years old at the time mm -hmm. um maybe not even that old uh and and that was the case with him uh jump forward months later of us just kind of talking through what the experience he was having in his body was when those moments of panic uh happened and what was he really afraid of happening? What were the consequences of him trusting the system or letting go? You know, you know you're not going to hit the ground. Mm. So what are we really like? What is the fear that we're really confronting here? Mm. Um, is it something that we are, is it something real or something that we're placing on ourselves? And, and certainly this was a process of months, but at, after maybe six or seven months of having those conversations and confronting that fear relentlessly week after week after week, 
he's fine. Mm. And now he's just a climber and he, you know, is more, you know, now he's getting frustrated with not being able to pull a move mm-hmm. or do a climb or, mm-hmm. you know, hit a certain grade, whatever the case may be. Then there is, and there, the anxiety of being in the air or being at height is not even a consideration anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just engaging in the climb itself, yeah. um, which is what brought him past that fear, which is now something he's able to just enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen that was maybe the most drastic um, case I've ever seen um, where someone who is literally having panic attacks mm. um, is now fear free. Mm. <laughs> right. Um, but I've seen it. I, I can't even count him like probably over a hundred cases yeah. of, of folks coming in with a fear of heights um, and empowering themselves to yeah. move past that or, like not allow that to create um, anxiety for them, or at least choose to not react negatively to that anxiety. Being able to make the choice, like feel calm and controlled uh, is, it's uncanny. Um, And so anyone looking for a way to overcome a fear of heights, uh, find your closest climbing gym or come to beta climbing fitness. (laughs) Um, Shameless plug. Shameless plug. It is so interesting you mentioned that because I had never thought about that, but that actually makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, like the embodiment of, of like moving through your fear of heights, mm-hmm. literally like foot by foot, move by move, like practice session by session. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting also the dynamic you're talking about in relationship to heading your fears and like taking them face on and then also like being okay with failure. Because that was like, I know that's what really shaped me as a mover was my dance background where you ha- you had people throwing movements at you that they literally had dreamed about in their head mm-hmm. and they were explaining verbally and they just wanted you to do. And you had to somehow be able to figure out and do it before anybody else did so that you would nail it and get noticed and get booked for a gig. Right. And this stuff was already started when I was like 12 years old. This wasn't just like professional. So you learn very quickly to like jump into things without knowing what was going to happen. You were, you were okay with the expectation of perhaps falling on your face or like totally biffing it. And you did sometimes. For sure. But what happens most of the time is this amazing thing where your body just sort of self-organizes, figures stuff out and it like, you're fine. And you end up totally surprising yourself multiple times over. And I know, you know, for me that, that did translate into my, select climbing experiences it's also translated even in my sort of like brashness with like different strength training modalities or like body weight stuff it's I just I'm very fearless in that way and I know a huge part of that was because I grew up like not having the luxury of being afraid because I wanted to dance I wanted to be seen I want to be recognized and I I was willing to do whatever it took Mm -hmm. to like put myself out there And, and that included failing or you know, facing those fears when they came up. 100%. Um, failure is the greatest teacher, right? Another yes. cliche. But so super true. Common, <laughs> but super true. And that is, like I said, if relating this to climbing, um, falling, everybody falls all the time, and which, you know, if falling equals failure, it's an activity that you will fail at more than you will succeed at. Mm. You will fail all the time and you want to fail. You want to push yourself. That's how you, if you, you know, just climb the same things over and over. If you climb in that comfort zone, 
that you know is really easy for you. That's not where the fun of climbing is. The fun of climbing is continuing to push for more and better and, you know, learning to do new types of movement or, you know, feeling, again, that same feeling of I couldn't do that a week ago or, or three months ago or a year ago, but I can do that now. And now mm. I, I understand how that works and mm. how my body works. And I, you know, or I put in all this work um, that's now paying off in terms of being able to do more on the wall or like reach higher grades, whatever, whatever it is your goal is. Mm -hmm. um, but failure is a huge part of that. Um, this is a conversation I have with our competitive climbing team all the time because they are these, you know, they're these teenage kids who have a lot of pressures, which is a whole nother conversation. I think kids are definitely overworked these days, mm -hmm. but they have these expectations of themselves in competition um, that often like it just makes it so difficult for them to fail mm -hmm. um, and if they fall on a route in competition and they don't place or whatever um, I've often thought it would be kind of a sick cruel joke to make an uh, Instagram page called crying climbers <laughs> because you see so many crying climbers at comps <laughs> and like it just so you, see a lot of, you see a lot of crying dancers at competition. Right, exactly. It's the same thing. But like at the end of the day, dancing, climbing, all of these things that we do for fun, you have to remember that it's for fun. Yeah. And you can't have fun if you're not like, you know, part of that fun is competition with yourself and pushing yourself and like learning and growing. And the only way to learn and grow is by failing. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't fail, how can you adjust? And again, this goes back to the beginning of our conversation of awareness. What kind of awareness what you have or what you can and can't do if you're doing the things that you can do and mm -hmm. over and over again and not pushing yourself at all totally. so that and again like tying it into theater <laughs> and my experience of like climbing in theater and relating those two things um yes climbing certainly has helped me uh with like the audition process and, mm -hmm. and the audition process has helped me emotionally with climbing mm -hmm. that idea of yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give it my all and I am going to be who I'm going to be. And I will, I, and failure is inevitable at some point. If it's now, that's fine. Yeah. That's cool. But I can learn something from it. Mm -hmm. And as opposed to allowing that failure to crumple me and, you know, and allow me to just like, if that was the case, I'd be sitting in the corner, like <laughs> <laughs> just crying. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be the first person on crying climbers. <laughs> you know, if we were, if, if, you know, if I, got upset about every failure theatrically or in climbing. Mm -hmm. But but we do have a choice in terms of how we react to those failures. And we do have a choice to observe those failures and observe ourselves in those failures and um, ob as objectively as possible, assess what we did, what we could have done, what we did well, what we did poorly and what we could have done better. Mm -hmm. um, and those are the three questions we ask our climbers after every comp. We sit around the next day and we say, name one thing, and we go around each kid one at a time. What did you do well? What did you do poorly? What did you learn to take into the next comp? And those are the only three things that matter. It doesn't matter if you, uh, if you took first that day or if you did not place at all and you were like last in your category, last in the field, and you fell on every climb. Like, what are the things that you could have done to... Or what, what are the things that you learn that you can take into next time to maybe perform better and feel better about the day or whatever? And, even, and then, like, you know, when you come in first, it's the same questions, mm. you know, and um, not being comfortable with 
with success, you know, and not allowing that to let you kind of sit back on your heels, but looking for what you like, you know, appreciating the failures even more than that, because yeah. that's the fun thing, right? Yeah. Learning and growing. One of my favorite neuroscientists who's like big on the benefits of meditation and, and it really ties into how to use meditation as a tool for self-development uh, to like really be the best version of yourself you mm -hmm. can be. He recommends that same sort of play-by-play -play for every day. Like at the end of each day, like catalog, like when you were like the best version of yourself mm -hmm. and when when did you fall from grace, as he says. Like when did you, when did you like succumb to something silly, like mm -hmm. completely ruining your state of being and your mood and, and why mm -hmm. did it and how if you were presented with the same thing next time, would you react differently? And it's it's such an important tool to use for like to take a moment to reflect on experiences that have happened and organize yourself yeah. in relationship to that. And how to set yourself up for success in the future, you know, by being more prepared, maybe, or like just reorienting the way you think about certain things to set yourself up for success. Not just like the things you can do physically better, mm -hmm. right? Um, we always talk about, you know, if you're feeling, if you're finding you're constantly feeling tired when you come to practice, mm -hmm. um, if you feel that, you know, you are um, not growing as a climber as quickly as the next person, like, look at the things that you're doing and be real with yourself. Are you like, are you sleeping well? Are you eating well? Are you being kind to yourself? Are you like, of course, like, are you training physically? <laughs> and are you actually like putting in effort? mentally and physically um and if you can answer those questions for yourself you know if you do have a goal that you're trying to reach um those are the things that will allow you to focus your energy in the right places and train smarter not harder or you know climb smarter not mm -hmm. harder mm -hmm. and and sometimes the answers are very obvious and sometimes they're not so obvious but it's different for everybody of course yeah it's true so I think we're going to, we actually are going to wrap things up here. Yeah, it's been quite a long meandering conversation. Which is what we love. Cool, I'm glad. <laughs> but if you can go ahead and leave us with some final thoughts or words of wisdom for the listeners tuning in. Oh my gosh. Words of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> um, when it comes to movement, climbing, life, whatever, it's on your heart right now. I am going to say what I what I told the kids before we went into our um, divisional championship com a competition a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, have fun. Enjoy your life. Make sure <laughs> that that is the focus, right? Do, do the right thing and enjoy yourself because there's no reason, there's no point of moving or working out or, you know, killing yourself at the gym and suppressing your appetite and not mm -hmm. eating, you know, if we're talking about fitness and movement if you're not enjoying what you're doing. Mm. So make sure you find something you can connect to that you can love and that can be a, a part of your life, like make movement an enjoyable part of your life and not just something that you are hacking away at mm. to reach that outlandish, stupid body image that you have <laughs> in your head. Um, and I, I think if, if people did that, um, they would generally be more fit it would generally be happier and we'd be able to connect a little bit easier Yeah, well, I mean, in, in the real. It was also your experience. It was, it was also my experience that the second I stopped trying to look a certain way, instead, like, followed the feeling, followed the fun, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. the more fun I had with the things I did, 
like not work anymore. And yeah. <laughs> and then like people are like, well, what do you do? Right, and, yeah. and, and like, I'm always telling my I walk a lot. Like, you know, I like, I occasionally like will go into like, you know, a gym like mm-hmm. twice a month. And people are like, you go to the gym twice a month. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, like I go when it feels fun. You know how many calories <laughs> laughing burns? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> if you're laughing all the time, you don't even need to go to the gym. <laughs> if you're laughing and climbing, you're going to have a six pack. Six months. So, months you know, guys, it's time to join Ara's gym, Beta Rocks. Shameless plug. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the oh, show. Oh, man, it's such a pleasure. It's so great. So, if our listeners are interested in finding Beta Rocks or they're interested in connecting with you directly, how can we do that? Um, you can go to our website, www.betarocks.com. It's B-E-T-A-R-O-C-K-S.com. Mm-hmm. Um, our information is there. You can look at our programs and check out the space and just come and climb. We do every Thursday our uh, Beta Boulder and Brew Night, if you like Ooh. drinking. Climbers love drinking beer. <laughs> they do. That's one thing we didn't really touch on is, is how <laughs> climbing is like so has traditionally been so, right. <laughs> so anti-fitness like it's so not with the fitness world uh-huh. um but that's you know you get a lot of you get a lot of fun people yeah just you know yeah. from colorado i'm sure you know some climbing mm-hmm. dirt bags that have never <laughs> <laughs> never worked out in their life but crush it at the crack yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah so we we drink we climb and then drink beer uh-huh. every thursday night if those right. are things you like to do you can come by cool awesome yeah. great well thank you so much and it was such a pleasure having you it's a pleasure being here and uh, speaking with you yeah thanks all right see ya bye y'all <laughs>